There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things. And Lazarus in a like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so. And no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, grace and peace to you this morning from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, today's scripture readings or lessons cover a subject that most people like. Yet I would say, for the majority of us, it's not always our favorite sermon topic. In fact, I thought a little bit about giving Pastor Mark a hard time for picking this weekend to be away. For these lectionary texts are some of the more difficult ones, as they've got a lot of law over gospel in them. However, since they're here before us, I invite you to dive in with me as we look at them and focus on that well-loved item, often referred to as the root of all evil, money. Now, we can't live without money, can we? We need income in order to put food on our tables and roofs over our heads. And while we all came into this world empty-handed and we will leave in the same manner, we can't survive empty-handed in the interim. Each of us are required to learn how to cultivate the skills necessary in order for our survival. 
Nagarian societies, men and women were taught at young ages about survival. Men were taught to hunt and fish and even farm. They became skilled at using such tools as bows and axes and yoking pairs of oxen. Women learned to skin hides, erect shelters, gather herbs, cook, and raise generations of workers. As urban life emerged, shopkeepers, cobblers, bookkeepers, politicians, philosophers, and tradesmen mastered and marketed their skills. Some professions were more lucrative than others. While this was happening, spiritual leaders, including the Apostle Paul, realized the need to earn a living was fraught with potential problems. If a person was too wealthy, others might not only covet what they had, but they might be inclined to steal their possessions. Being consumed with envy could drive some people to work harder than necessary. Employers might not always be fair, and they might deprive their workers of decent wages. A person's wealth might become based on their earnings rather than their service to society. And then for some, some individuals might be led to morally corrupt professions in order to simply survive or earn an income. This morning's epistle from 1 Timothy addresses the topic of money acquisition, the benefits of money, as well as the danger of greed. In fact, the Apostle Paul reminds us that Christians are not just a special group of citizens who value spirituality and worship and Christian ethic, but they're also people who rely on earning a paycheck. In order to earn a paycheck and to do it successfully, one needs to have some ambition, a good work ethic, training, skills, and aptitude. The key is to do so without sacrificing moral and ethical values. But in truth, this isn't always easy to do because the love of money sometimes gets in our way. Sometimes it's hard to be content with just food and clothing without the temptation to acquire more than the basics of what we need. Sometimes we really do want that new release technology gadget, those designer items, or even that luxury car. And in our lust for more, sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that we need more. Yet scripture reminds us that there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. Which bears the question for us this morning. What do we really need? What are the bare essentials that we require? 
And how little can we live with and still be content? In our society and world today, we know that money talks. Unfortunately, it's often telling us goodbye. The well-known theologian, Frederick Buchner, once noted, the more you think about money, the less you understand it. The paper it's printed on isn't worth a red cent. There was a time when you could take it to the bank and get gold or silver for it. But now, if you tried to do that, you just get a blank stare. Money has worth only if there is not enough for everybody. It has worth only because the government declares it has worth and because people trust the government in that one particular. Although in every other particular, they wouldn't trust it around the corner. Great fortunes can be made and lost completely on paper. There are people who use up their entire lives making money so that they can enjoy the lives they have entirely used up. The reality is there is always going to be someone wealthier than we are, as well as countless millions who are poorer. Our income is relative. If we make $14,500 a year, we would be living in poverty here in the United States. However, if we lived in India, where the per capita income is just over $2,000, it would be another story. If we made $1,500 last year, we're in the top 20% of the world's income earners. If we have sufficient food, decent clothes, an apartment to live in, and a form of transportation, we're among the top 15% of the world's wealthiest individuals. If we have $61,000 in assets, we're among the top 10% of the richest adults in the world. If we have any money saved, a hobby that requires some equipment, numerous clothes in our closet, two cars, and a home, we're in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. And if we have more than $500,000 in assets, we're part of the richest 1% in the world. When we take in these global statistics, how do they impact our level of commitment? and contentment. We live in a culture of outrage and discontent, and it can be very difficult for us at times to be truly at peace with ourselves and content with what we have. Sometimes it's really hard to feel blessed. But compared to so many of our brothers and sisters around the globe, we appear to be just that. We know in scripture that Jesus had a preferential for the poor, maybe because he could relate. He didn't own his own house. He didn't have his own transportation. 
nor was he gainfully employed at the time he met the disciples. But it was to such people that Christ showed love and compassion, taking note of those on the bottom rungs of society, the sick and the outcast, and those even labeled as sinners. This morning's gospel piggybacks on that notion, pointing out that the poor in time will receive comfort and hope for God is on their side. But there's a word of warning that comes to those deemed privileged or wealthy according to the world's standards. Caution is advised to those who pad their portfolios, purchase the next new craze, strive for that top salary, or have excess beyond what is necessary. Like the wealthy in Jesus' day, Scripture reminds us to take care to carefully navigate the pitfall that money can bring as we balance our lives between acquiring what we need to survive and the temptation to thirst for more. As we wrestle with being content, with our basic needs being met, and not longing for the comforts that our neighbors have. As we strive to live by those biblical consensus regarding wealth that remind us that we need to decide what we need, be content with just that, and then generously give the rest away. Now, in our current economy that's riddled with inflation, we see soaring prices from the gas pumps to food in our supermarket aisles. We realize the reality that our dollar is not going as far as it once did. It's very tempting to view our income and our lives from that scarcity perspective. Or we can view it from the perspective of Jesus' parable to the rich man in this morning's epistle, which note what really equates abundance in our lives. For with an abundant outlook, we're inclined to be guided by compassion. May this morning's scriptures cause us to pause maybe even squirm a bit in our seats, and to take that honest look at our priorities and our pursuits. May the lessons challenge our outlooks and our attitudes as we ask, what do we really need to be content? May they invite us to take care not to fall into that trap of worshiping the almighty dollar but instead to stay very focused on worshiping our almighty God, who offers us grace and mercy, who promises us life eternal, who guarantees our needs will be met, and invites us to be humble and generous and faithful. May these words this morning remind us that rather than pursuing money or lusting after more possessions, let us lust and thirst to grow in righteousness 
as we pursue godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Recently, as I was praying over these scriptures, I was reminded of an elderly woman who I was blessed to have known. She had held a good job, worked really hard, and had been paid very well for her expertise. She shared that while she ought to have had lots of money in the bank at her age, she was now down to not very much in her savings. And it wasn't because she had lived this lavish lifestyle. In fact, I would say by most of our standards, we might say that she lived a very meager lifestyle. So where did all her money go? It had gone to helping others. She was known that if she encountered a person in need, whether it was her family, her friends, a coworker, or even somebody she was acquainted with, that she would pay sometimes for their food, their medical bills, their utilities, you name it. She shared that she felt from an early age that God had given her such a lucrative income so that she could use it to make a difference in the lives of others. And she could tell stories about times in her life when she had wanted something and had to go without it because the money had been spent on other people. As she was older and reflected on her life, she didn't take stock in the things that she had accumulated or even her professional accomplishments, which were great. Rather, she took stock in sharing stories of the people that she had been blessed to know and to help, people that had impacted her life in a positive way. As she was nearing death, she reflected on her life, and she spoke of contentment and gratitude and shared she had been abundantly blessed. Let us all make a point to be content with what we need and have and to maybe be encouraged to part a little bit more with the rest for the well-being of others with humble and generous hearts. For as scripture reminds us this morning, seek to store up the treasure of a good foundation for the future. Amen.